have a big head and a little arms. No, um, what I wanted to tell you was when I was editing the last episode, every time you said anything about the Empire, I know you were talking Roman Empire. I thought the same thing the entire time I was listening. I was like, it's the Empire. Let's take down the Empire. It's (laughs) fucking Star Trek. Not Star Trek. Star Wars. Look, okay. I... Watched The Mandalorian last night, and then immediately after, I watched an episode of um, the Star Trek with... Um, Chris Pine? No. Quantum Leap, dude. I don't know what you're talking about. With the one with the, um, Scott Bakula. Star... Bakula. Star Trek Enterprise. Yeah. Oh. I watched an et- episode of Star Trek Enterprise, so... When you said that, I was like, Mandalorian, and I was like, right after I watched The Mandalorian, I watched Star Trek Enterprise, and then Star Trek. Yep. Star Wars. Yeah. (laughs) But that was my only note I had to talk to you about, because... You didn't do anything all week? I worked until six, like, three nights, and then the other two nights, I was editing and researching. What sucks. That's my life. I sit on a computer doing busy work all day. So I listen to podcasts all day. Yeah. So, um, I thought I would just do a little thing where I talk about the podcast that I listened to this week. I started listening to Buffering the Vampire Slayer again. Buffery? Buffering. Oh, like, buffering. Buffering. That's what's like, buffery? No. Um, Buffering the Vampire Slayer. I stopped listening halfway through season four because I uh, found a new podcast that I binged and then I just went back and started listening to it again. Mm-hmm. And they are so amazing. So I assume it's all about Buffy. Yeah, it's about, uh, like, they. it's these two queer women who are rewatching. well, it, one of them's seen Buffy a bunch of times, and the other one has only seen it, um, like, once, I think. So it'd be like me and you watching Buffy. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> except except they were, like, um, married for the oh. first bunch of it, and then they got divorced. Oh. And, but they're still doing the podcast together, and, like, their relationship is just really cool. And they have amazing content, like, mm-hmm. and it's sort of built this little community that I think is super cool um well and it's great that they're still that they're still friends after being divorced yeah because not many people do that or can do it yeah 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 yeah. but um but uh, listening to that podcast they mentioned something about Xena and I was like you know what I want to see if there's a Xena podcast, you know, where, like, somebody watches all the episodes of Xena. And I found a podcast called um, Xena Warrior Podcast. And I've got it saved. I'm going to start listening to on Monday when I get back to work. Oh, that's going to be my next question. Is it any good? I don't know. I hope it is. But on top of those podcasts... um, (laughs) I'll just, you know, I'll just do a list of all the podcasts I listen to. Why not? Just list them for me. Um, so we have My Favorite Murder, Ologies, with Allie Ward. It's the best podcast in the world. We follow them? I think so. What is that? Oh, it's your mom. Okay. Um, <laughs> I also listen to Welcome to Night Vale, uh, getting ch- curious. Getting Curious with Jonathan Van Ness, Family Secrets, and That's Why We Drink, Bring Back Up, which is a Veronica Mars podcast, 
um, Potterless, which is a guy who's never read any of the Harry Potter books, reading the Harry Potter books, <laughs> and then talking about it. Okay. There's the Good Place podcast, the new Hosier podcast called Cry Power. There's a lot of podcasts. I literally, I'm telling you, I listen to podcasts all day for eight hours a day. What's funny is I don't. I know. And we have a podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess us, too. I listen to us at work, too, whenever you you say, hey, I've uploaded this. I need you to listen to it before I actually post it. Yeah. I listen to that at work. And, um, anything else? Anything else? I can't type. Me either. I mean, you already heard about my fiucking. <laughs> Fiuck. Fiuck. Okay, yep. Goofy. It's like when Goofy... Yeah. <laughs> We're too... We've known each other too long. Welcome back to Miss and Miss Fortunes. That's Rachel. That's Grace. We're a paranormal and true crime podcast. We... Like to pick special places in the world every week and base our stories on that place. Sometimes not, because why not? Because the world is so big. <laughs> yeah. And not everything happens in one place. Yeah, but some things. I just think it's cool to do one place. Yes. I don't know what this motion is that I'm doing. I'm gonna stop. You're mimicking your your bitmoji. That bitmoji thing is so fucking weird. Okay, if you guys don't know what we're talking about, on Snapchat, there's a new... What's that called? Yeah, there's a new filter. Old lady. (laughs) (laughs) There's a new filter that uses your bitmoji and is doing this weird... It's like... Dancing, like each arm is doing a karate chop (laughs) motion and altering like tons. They're like waving planes through. Yeah, I don't know. It's super weird, and their your eyes are just open really, really big. What was that? Was that a goat bleep? No, it was my alarm. Oh, it sounded like a go go. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it was a goat going. Is it birth control time? It's birth control time. Wow, look at that. Look at that. Where are we going today, Rachel? The fun place of Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Yes, because you all know we actually visit these places, right? We We take a trip. Okay, Okay, but this one we could, and I actually do want to. It's only three and a half hours away. It's like a day trip. Alright, so... I have the history this week. Yes. And my sources are Wikipedia and Britannica.com. The Wikipedia. The Wikipedia. So, the history is going to be super short and super sweet. Cool. Maybe not sweet, but definitely super short. (laughs) So, Point Pleasant is a city in Mason County, West Virginia, at the corner of the Ohio in Kanawha Rivers. The city has a total area of 3.10 square miles, and 0.7 square miles of that is water. Oh. (laughs) You know, just like a third water. In a 2010 census, the population was only at 4,350 people. Mothman drove them away. (laughs) That explains a lot why I couldn't find a lot on my story, actually. Yeah. So, I mean, really, really small compared to some of the places that we've yeah done before. I mean, the place we live, it's like, we're in a, like, a larger city, but there are areas, like, around us that are kind of small. Mm-hmm. So, I guess, it's, is it, like, one of those places? Yeah. It's the places just outside those small areas because even our smaller areas like Shelbyville and Mount Washington Mm -hmm. are steadily growing yeah except Mount Washington people should beware because of the conspiracy the donut shop conspiracy I don't know about this conspiracy we'll talk we'll talk later we're too close to it we'll talk later okay (laughs) 
So, <laughs> donut shop conspiracy aside, <laughs> back on topic. In the second half of 1749, you know, nothing started before then. Yep. <laughs> we are in the U.S. Mm-hmm. A French explorer by the name of Pierre-Joseph Celeron de Blainville claimed French sovereignty over the Ohio Valley. Just like a white man. Yes. But no, actually, I do have to point out that right here, mm-hmm. when I saw Ohio Valley, I was like, oh, we're in the Ohio Valley. How far away is this? Okay, I kind of had the same issue. You'll see why later, because mm-hmm. somebody in my story is from Ohio, and I was like, this is West Virginia, what? Yeah. So. Ohio Valley, that's why. Anyway, the French explorer proceeded to bury a plaque at the meeting point of the two rivers that read, in the year 1749, in the reign of King Louis Fifteenth, we, Celeron, commander of a detachment sent by Commander de la Glacinière, commander general of New France, for the restoration of peace in various untamed villages in the region. Man, this is a run-on sentence. (laughs) Yeah. Have buried this plaque at the confluence of the Ohio and Tchadacoin rivers this 29th day of July (laughs) near the fine river bank to commemorate the retaking into possession of the aforementioned river bank and all the surrounding lands on both river shores, back to the river sources, as secured by previous kings of Fant- France. France. That's a lot. That's pretty. And maintained by force of arms and by treaties, specifically the treaties of Rijwick, of Yurtrek, and Zayavlash. And of Jai La Chapelle. The end. <laughs> this plaque man, super petty. <laughs> I understood. None of that. None of that. There's a plaque, and they took back the land with the plaque. They are claiming that they have taken back this land that was once French owned land. That had been taken over by the British. Uh Uh-huh. That probably originally belonged to people. Which originally belonged to indigenous... Indigenous. (laughs) Yes. That probably originally belonged to indigenous people. Yes. So. Petty. Petty. Jeez. Okay. The French are claiming the land is theirs. That's... That's it. His expedition. Oh, there actually is more. I thought you literally (laughs) meant that's it. It's over. Okay. No, there's more. (laughs) That's it for the plaque. That plaque. I was really like, that's the shortest history I've ever heard. That's rough. I told you it was short and sweet. (laughs) I'll take it. Okay. His expedition was considered a diplomatic failure since... The local tribes remained pro-English, and the English representatives refused to go away. However, from a geographical standpoint, his expedition was a starting point for the first map of the Ohio Valley. Hmm. On October 10, 1774, the Battle of Point Pleasant took place. Colonel Andrew Lewis led over 1,000 Virginia militia to slaughter roughly the same amount of Algonquin fighters of the Shawnee and Mingo warriors, led by Chief Cornstalk. <laughs> I knew you were going to make that face. I'm sorry, was this an indigenous person? Yes. Okay. I got it confused in my head. That's why I made a face. <laughs> I still knew you were going to make that face. Uh, I was, I really thought that it was somebody else who was saying that, that, okay, okay. He, Chief Cornstalk was the one who was leading the Algonquin fighters. Yeah, I don't know why I got it mixed in my head. It happened. I don't know. 
This day is celebrated locally as the first battle of the American Revolution War. During the battle, Camp Point Pleasant was established by Colonel Lewis, and the settlement following took the name permanently. In 1776, the new fort was built and named Fort Randolph after a recently deceased Virginian official. Fort Randolph is best remembered as the place where Chief Cornstalk was brutally murdered in 1777. Cool, cool, cool. Great. Fantastic. Wonderful. It was then abandoned two years later. The settlement of Point Pleasant didn't receive an official charter until 1794. And honestly, not much has happened in the area until the 1840s when a shipyard was built. Then development rapidly grew. And that's as far as I can go into history without going into my story. All right. Told you. Short. Fun. I like that short, fun stuff. Short, fun, very fun. All right. Speaking of short. Speaking of short. My story is very short. Is it as short as my history? No, okay. it's probably it's a little bit longer than that, I think. Okay. The beginning of it's kinda rough. Okay. A little rough. On February twenty-seventh, nineteen seventy-six, Harriet Sisk, eighteen, called the police frantically frantically. Kali. Frantically. Frantically. <laughs> anyway, she called the police frantically telling them that her infant daughter, Davy, was missing. And that she feared someone had kidnapped her. Oh no. Yes. Police arrived and searched for Davy for five hours, eventually discovering that not too far away from the home, she was dead. What? Yes. She was dead and had been buried in a field close to the house, one source said that the grave was about four feet deep, and another one said it was two and a half feet deep, so I'm okay. not really sure which one is correct. She was wrapped in a blanket, and her favorite stuffed toy was beside her in the grave. Mm. Yes. Told you a little rough. Um, not too long after this, Harriet confessed that she had tripped when her sock got caught on a piece of furniture, and she had fallen on top of Davy. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Davy had started crying and she wouldn't stop, which actually I think is is a sign of a concussion with the baby. Yeah. Um, but the screaming and crying went on for so long, and nothing Harriet did could calm her, so she snapped. The autopsy showed that Davy had been strangled and beaten. Oh my God. Yeah. No. Why? She how was, was how old was Davy? Two months old, I believe. Oh my god. Yeah. In an interview with the police, Harriet revealed that her husband Bruce Sisk, age nineteen, helped her bury the daughter. This is a bad father, this is a bad mother. Like that's rough. Less than a week later, Harriet was being held in the Mason County jail for the murder, and I guess her husband decided that that wasn't acceptable. On March 2nd, at 11 p.m., Bruce Sisk walked into the jail carrying a suitcase and a sawed-off shotgun, pointed it at the jailer, and demanded to see and spend the night, uh, the evening with his wife. Oh, just the evening? I mean, I think the night, the evening, one of them. But, whatever, Rachel. <laughs> the night, fuck, I don't know. Well, no, but, like, if you're standing there and you're holding a gun at someone... And you're, you're only asking for a night? Why don't you take the person? Listen to the story. Okay. okay. Alright. The jailer, Charles Anson, recognized him immediately as he'd just been at the jail briefly visiting Harriet about five, five hours earlier, even though it was after hours. Mm-hmm. Since he had a gun to his back, Anson escorted Sisk to his wife's cell in the basement. He opened the cell door and allowed Sisk, Sisk, and allowed Sisk to enter and quickly closed and locked the door, running back upstairs to call Sheriff Wedge. Wedge. 
You're such a weirdo. I'm sorry, my brain just went to, like, a wedge salad for just no reason. Like a giant, like a wedge of lettuce? Yeah, like a wedge of lettuce. Okay. That, that's why I was like, what? The police arrived and the sheriff wanted to get Sisk out of there, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, both he and Harriet convinced Bruce to release her cellmate, uh, Sue Missin. I think about 30 to 40 minutes had passed at this point, and just moments after they had released Harriet's cellmate, an explosion rocked the building. So, okay. that suitcase, not a change of clothes, it was a bomb. 30 to... 35 sticks of dynamite. Um, oh, they did. Um, the windows were blown out on the building, and it tore a huge hole where the cell had been. The blast was heard for miles, and they had to close the building because it damaged the structural structural integrity. People were running around mm-hmm. everywhere, says Richard Rainey, who was one of the first on the scene working for the Point Pleasant Fire Department. The water and the blood and just everything was lying on the floor. Yeah. The Sisks and Deputy Kenneth Love, who was actually the one who had found Davy's body, uh, were instantly killed. Oh. Yeah. Sheriff Wedge was taken to the hospital, but died the following day. And another jailer, Deputy Sheriff Ernie Hessen, lived for a week in the hospital before eventually succumbing to his injuries. Oh, no. Yeah. Seven law enforcement officials and five prisoners were also injured in the blast. One of the prisoners injured in the blast was also Harriet's cellmate's husband. So they were both in prison. (laughs) I don't know why. I couldn't find Uh. out. So on top of all of this. Oh, uh, Ohio uh, Highway Patrolman Bruce Wallace. He actually, I believe, had his leg cut off. um, Why? I guess exploded off by the bombing oh no no yeah yeah yeah. okay well obviously these they, they were kids they're not smart yeah okay <laughs> yeah on top of all of that okay they had a 19 month old son named bruce michael who came aboard of the state after they died so, so they didn't have any grandparents um they had family but i don't know if they went to family oh or if he went to family but one of their children died. Yeah. One of them went to prison. They decided to do that. And then left behind their 19-month-old. Like... Stupid. Yeah. It was initially believed that he shot the bomb to detonate it, but when investigators sifted through the debris, they discovered that a flashlight battery and a blasting cap were used. What that means, I don't know. I'm not a bomb person. I was gonna say, I have no idea what that means. I'm sure it means something. If you know, let me know. You know? Just email us. <laughs> we do Call read me. every email. <laughs> Call me, beat me if you want to reach me. I don't know. Okay, Kim. <laughs> Harriet's cellmate later revealed that Harriet seemed aware of her husband's plans and that they might have agreed to a suicide pact. Wow. Yeah. Alice told the police that she couldn't hear the conversation the couple had had, but that Harriet assured her that she wouldn't be hurt. A suicide note was later found at the Sisk's home that outlined the events that took place. The note was shown to members of the family, but not members of the press. Well, I feel bad for their then 19-month-old. Yeah. People still talk about the bombing to this day. There's um, a memorial marking the lives uh, lost in the bombing, and the Mason County Jail was rebuilt in the same spot a few years later, because like I said, they had to close the building. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it affected it structurally yeah like found a couple of different people who said like even the mayor said that he remembers his grandmother waking him up i think his grandmother's mother waking him up saying that like telling him what had happened Mm -hmm. at the house and people like miles away heard the explosion and stuff like that so that's my story (laughs) it was very short it might be the exact same length as your history But, I, like, I found a couple other things, but I just thought this one was interesting because it was, like, two crimes in one. Mm-hmm. Because so. they killed their child and then blew up a building and themselves. Yep. Yep. Stupid kids. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there are plenty of adults who would do that, so I don't know. Unfortunately, you're right, but still. I don't know. It's like... It just makes me so mad. Oh, my sources are... As close to crime dot blogsplot dogsplot. <laughs> blogsplot. 
I said dog splot the second time. <laughs> As it's close late. to crime dot blogspot dot com. W S A Z dot com. Find a grave dot com. <laughs> yeah, I got I got one little part of this off of uh, that website. I was okay. just like, her grave is here. Come come see it. Um, NewYorkTimes.com, newspapers.com, because I found a actual clip of the newspaper, like, the next day, right after it happened. Oh, okay. And then digital.bentley.umich.edu. That was another clip. All right. Go you. Go me. Yeah, tell us what it's about, Rachel. <laughs> Lamp. Lamp. Yes. Lamp. 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 My sources. Yes. This week. BuzzFeed Unsolved. Uh-huh. I love Shane and Ryan. <laughs> uh, Wikipedia. AllThat'sInteresting.com. FandomWiki. Vice.com. Oh. Mythology.net. And RationalWiki.org. Hmm. My story this week is the famous Mothman. Yes, a.k.a. good, because my story was so short, hers gets to be long. Mine gets to be the entire episode. Mothman is an omen of a creature who puts fear into the heart of everyone who sees it. He's an omen of a creature? Omen of a creature. Okay. That was my horrible atten- attempt at words. <laughs> All of my attempts at words are horrible. <laughs> my, my point is, he's a creature and he's considered an omen and he terrifies people. Lamp. So, <laughs> lamp. <laughs> Mothman is probably one of the most well-known cryptids today, thanks to the book by John Keel that is now a movie called The Mothman Prophecies. I spelled prophecies wrong. Uh, I've actually never seen that movie. Do you want to watch it? I I do want to watch it. Cool. We'll find it tonight and we'll watch it. Mothman is described as being just this huge, physically imposing creature that appears to be very man-like and walks on two legs. Mothman is covered in gray sometimes brown, fur fuzz feathers, question mark? (laughs) Fur fuzz feathers, question mark. Title, I was going to say title of your sex tape. (laughs) 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 Yes. And he has huge bright red eyes. He is also described as, I also keep saying he, I don't mean to gender you, Mothman. Yeah, that's heteronormative thinking. I know. We need to move past that. It? They. Yes, they, but also. (laughs) But also this is a creature, so it. You could just say Mothman. Hey, you don't know, it could be a person. I'll be saying Mothman every two seconds. (laughs) Just call him M.M. M.M. is also described. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Just be like, just send us emails, let us know. Do you think Mothman? Is Mothman a guy, a girl? Or non-binary? Or non-binary? Um, genderqueer in some sort of... Transgender? Like, I don't know. You know? What's going on? You know, we don't need to know, but... We absolutely don't. I would just like to know Mothman's pronouns. I would like to know their preferred pronouns. Yeah. Okay. Mothman. (laughs) I'm just gonna say Mothman. Mothman is also described as being 6 to 8 feet tall with an 8 to 15 foot wingspan. Mothman's head is described to be kind of roundish and in a lot of drawings that I've seen ovalish. With no neck. Like, its head is just sitting on its shoulders. Like an owl. Like an owl. Yes. And it... 
I mean, it looks really weird on owls, but it looks really weird on Mothman. What's that face for? Two things. One, Batsquatch could take Mothman in a fight. Two, um... <laughs> well, yeah, because Batsquatch is, what, 45 feet tall? <laughs> no, he's nine feet tall. He's got a, f- like, a 45 foot... <laughs> He's <laughs> got like a forty, uh, like a twenty foot wingspan or something like that. Maybe bigger. No, forty. Yeah, it's forty. New theory. That Squatch is Mothman. That is one of the theories. There we go. Rachel, that's been a while. I don't remember. Okay. It's been a couple episodes. That's true. I mean, we did just record an episode, and I don't. And I couldn't remember what what your story was at all. The first recorded sighting of Mothman was on November 12th, 1966. Five men were working in a cemetery one night in Clendenin. That's Clendenin, West Virginia. Okay. One of the men glanced up from his work and saw a huge humanoid figure flying low from tree to tree just above their heads and across the cemetery. Three days later, a resident of Salem, West Virginia, by the name of Newell Partridge, reported that strange patterns appeared on his TV, followed by an odd noise outside of his house. And, you know, his dog was just barking at something. As someone who has big dogs, completely normal. Yeah. My dog barks at a leaf when it flies down the road. (laughs) My dog barks at me walking. (laughs) Yeah, true. uh, They bark at me when I walk down the stairs. Partridge ran outside with a flashlight in order to investigate and came face to face with two bright red eyes reflecting back at him because of the light from his flashlight. He compared them to... Bicycle reflectors. Hmm. He quickly tried to call his dog inside, but his dog, being a trained hunting dog, ran off into the night to chase this creature. Nice. Yeah. Partridge then ran into his house to grab his rifle and chased down his dog to, you know, bring him back. Mm -hmm. But then he was too afraid to go back outside. So... He never saw his dog again. Yeah. That little coward. Yeah. What a coward. I would give my life for Cora. Mm-hmm. I would, too. For both mine. Even though they're pains. Probably the most... I'd give my life for baby Baby Yoda, though. So... <laughs> baby Yoda. Probably the most known sighting is that... From two young couples driving through what is known as the TNT area. This area is an abandoned military base that is just north of Point Pleasant that dates all the way back to World War II. It is also known as West Virginia Ordnance Works. During its operation, this facility manufactured ammunition and dynamite. It has been re- reported that chemicals have been left to just kind of seep into the ponds there. And yeah, fun. So this area has been labeled an environmental disaster. Great. So yeah, very unsafe place to be and just wander. So Mothman is Spider-Man, but Moth-like. New theory. I like it. Yeah. So, these two young couples, they were driving down Highway 62 through the abandoned TNT area. Roger and Linda Scarberry were driving Roger's 57 Chevy Bel Air with Stephen Mary Mallet. As a little side note, Mm. they apparently saw a large dark dog carcass on the side of the road. As they were driving towards the TNT area. Oh. Um, A lot of of people speculate that that this was Partridge's dog who ran after Mothman. 
Poor buddy. Fucking coward. At around midnight, Lyndon noticed two unbelievably large glowing red eyes reflecting out at them from the darkness by the old north power plant. Understandably, she screamed. Roger, stop the frickin' car to look at this creature. Yeah, there's a squ- <laughs> Let me stop the car. Something giant with red eyes. I wanna- Let me get some of that action. Yeah. They just wanted to look at it. See what it was. So, they, they did note that it was something that looked human. About seven feet tall. Gray. And had wings sprouting from its back. Hmm. Mm, yeah. And it wasn't until it spread its wings to the full ten feet length that the couples realized it wasn't a bird. I feel like a couple things should have happened. Yeah. That they would have yeah. realized this wasn't a bird. Like, you know, gray. It being seven feet tall. Gray? That's what you're gonna say? Yeah. Do you know any gray humans? There are seven feet tall humans. Yes, I'm saying they didn't know it was a bird. Mm-hmm. The seven feet tall, glowing red eyes. We'll get to the red eyes. And the seven feet tall. Why would they think it's a bird? Just because they saw fucking... Okay. okay. Yeah, it took the wings. Just Yeah. Yeah, I'm just going to overlook the seven feet tall and the red eyes. and I'm just going to go to the wings that are on its back. Yeah. That's how I know it's not a bird. Whatever. <clears throat> the ten foot long wings. That's why. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. Birds don't have ten foot long wings. But they are seven feet tall. Have gray skin and red eyes. Yes. Yeah. You know. Sorry, adjusting. perfect sense. Complete sense. Okay. They sped down the highway towards Point Pleasant, their car reaching speeds of over 100 miles per hour. (laughs) And this creature just kept with them. Like, at this point, they noted that the creature really wasn't good running. Yeah. But as soon as it could fly, it just, it kept up with them. It was right there beside them. Well, yeah, its wings are fucking ginormous. Yeah. That's the noise that Rachel thinks wings make. Okay. When they finally got to town and saw no signs of the giant bird that had just followed them, Roger then parked the car at the edge of town, so that they could discuss what they had just seen. Uh, I would be discussing it at the police station. They decided that it was just an unusual bird. (laughs) (laughs) And that they were going to face their fears, and then proceeded to drive back towards the TNT area. It wasn't long until the cupper, the cupper, cupper, it's a cupper. <laughs> Listen here, sonny, I'm just a cupper. It wasn't long until the couple saw the creature again. It was seemingly waiting for them on the side of Route 62. So it's also psychic. It is psychic, yes. Psychic Mothman. <laughs> this is when they realized the creature was Definitely not a bird. Oh my god. <laughs> if you don't know by now that it's not a fucking bird, you are so fucking stupid. I just, as every time it kept saying, this is when they knew it wasn't a bird. Really, it's, it's not a bird. <laughs> are you sure it's not a bird? Because because it's got wings. I it's got mean, wings. That's pretty much a marker for a, a bird. bird. Yeah. As soon as their headlights hit the creature for the second time, it flew straight up into the air and disappeared into the tree line. Mothman likes his trees. He's an arborist. <laughs> yes, he is. It's good to have a career. 
You know, he's got to have something other than his hobby of chasing terrified teenagers away. Oh, they were teenagers? Oh, yeah, they're like 18. Oh, you know what? That explains it. Yeah. It explains a lot. So, obviously, when they saw it fly straight up into the air, they decided they were just going to rush back into town again. (sighs) This time, they did go straight to the Mason County Courthouse and told their stories to Sheriff George Johnson and Deputy Miller Halstead. Stead. Halstead. Only two hours later, the city police department began an investigation of the TNT area. Those kids were on drugs. Yeah, probably. The police returned empty-handed. Found nothing. The not next one single feather. Nope. Not a feather, not a footprint, nope. No fur. The next day, a press conference was held, and the local press began printing the story. This caused many others to come forward with previous and future sightings. The press conference prompted a widespread hysteria. One local man shot an owl to pieces because he thought it was Mothman. That hole. Yep. The creature was dubbed by the press as Mothman as a nod to Batman's inner enemy Killer Moth <laughs> and the national press spread the story across the country with this creature labeled Mothman sure 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 sure, sure. the following day on November 16th in 1966 Linda Scarberry was admitted to the hospital by her father after experiencing a nervous breakdown. She was one of the passengers. Oh, I thought that name sounded familiar. I was like... Uh... Yeah, she was, she was the girlfriend of the driver, or wife. They were married couples. I thought they were teenagers. Huh? You know what? I can't even say anything because mine were also married and also teenagers. Uh-huh. It's also 1966. Oh, yeah, I guess. Uh, The same night as Linda's hospitalization, a woman named Marcella Bennett was driving to a friend's house. As she was getting out of the car with her baby, she saw the creature that everyone was calling Mothman rise up beside her. So, (laughs) I'm thinking of those cartoons where, like, someone's getting out of the car and you just see from, like, their waist up. And then I'm just seeing the smuff man go. I was imagining the same thing, except I was imagining it as like, you know, when people like fake walk up and down stairs. <laughs> That's even better. Oh my god. <laughs> it's like he started off behind the car really, really low and then just, just walked around the car a little bit taller. bigger. <laughs> That's fantastic. Okay. She was so startled. She dropped her baby. (gasps) Luckily for the baby, she quickly recovered and rushed herself and the baby inside, locking the doors behind her. The (laughs) baby. She dropped dropped the baby. (laughs) Reportedly, Mothman walked up the steps of the porch and just started peering into the house. He's peeping Tom. By the time start. Yeah. By the time the police made it to the scene, he had already gone. It just wasn't there anymore. Oh, goodness. Over the next few days, hundreds more people came out with sightings. The Gettysburg Times reported two volunteer firefighters who saw what they claimed to be a very large bird with large red eyes. Mason County Sheriff George Johnson said that he believed that these sightings were due to an unusually large heron that he termed a shite poke. Excuse me? He believes it's a heron that's, that he calls a shite poke. Oh, cool. Cool, cool, yeah. cool, cool. It's a heron. Okay. It's a heron. You know, those actually Yeah, I know what call. a heron is, but that's not... Okay. On December 15th, 1967, the Silver Bridge collapsed during rush hour traffic. Several witnesses claimed to have seen Mothman sitting on top of the bridge for several hours prior to the bridge collapse and even during the collapse. This was a devastating 
event. Mm-hmm. 46 people lost their lives as they and their cars were just plunged into the river below. While the investigation following the collapse of the bridge points to failure in one of the suspension chains, many believe that Mothman was the cause of, cause of the collapse. It is at this point that sightings of Mothman kind of turned into a bad omen. If you saw Mothman, some major catastrophe was bound to happen. Mm. Here's a few of them. On September 10th, 1978, a group of miners were confronted by a man in a trench coat at the front of Freiburg Mine. When the men got closer, they realized this wasn't a man in a trench coat, but that it was a large creature with huge wings. They claimed it had no head, but that it had large glowing red eyes in its chest. They stood staring at this creature until it let out a terrifying screech. It screamed at them. And that's when they all turned and ran away from the mine. A lot of the the men that were going into the mine that day, they would not go into the mine. So instead, they, you know, did odd jobs outside the mine. And nearly an hour later, they heard a large explosion from inside the mine. Oh. And it collapsed. In this case, Mothman is sometimes referred to as the Freiburg Shrieker. Oh. Of the 21 men whose lives were saved by... This warning from Mothman. Only six got away with no psychiatric problems. Apparently seeing Mothman makes you go a little crazy. That's so interesting. Hmm? Only six. Only six out of 21. I wonder if that just means that they didn't have PTSD. Mm Mm-hmm. Probably. Throughout 1985... Scientists, workers, and citizens who lived near the power plant in Chernobyl, Ukraine, saw a large bird-like creature with the body of a man and glowing red eyes flying around the nuclear plant. Then on April 26, 1986, this creature was seen once more before the huge explosion that became one of the most famous nuclear accidents in history. It was also seen flying through the smoke and wreckage right afterwards. Now, one theory that I've literally never heard before several days before the 9-11 attacks several people saw a strange flying creature near the twin towers those who actually saw the attack as it was happening reported that the same creature had been flying parallel to the second plane as it hit the tower come on that's why i said that's one theory i've never heard before mothman caused 9-11 Apparently. But remember, he's a sign of... An omen, my dad. He was... That's not a very good omen if you're flying right beside the fucking plane. (laughs) He was trying to commit suicide. I don't know. What? I... I don't know. Towards the end of June 2007, reports of Mothman began surfacing in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and the surrounding areas. After about a month of sightings, the I-35 bridge collapsed. On August 1st, 2007, it killed 13 people and injured, and injured 145 others. Damn. Yeah. So, some residents in La Junta, Mexico, saw a large, black, red-eyed creature in 2009. Apparently, this creature was stalking the town just before the swine flu outbreak. Oh. Uh, Several witnesses apparently were terrified by it screaming, and one was even chased. (laughs) Authorities apparently searched for evidence of this creature, but nothing was ever found. Hmm. Two people were out near Japan's Fukushima power plant in March 2011 when they heard a loud screech. Mothmano likes to screech now. Apparently. Since it's happened, like, three times. They turned around to see a creature sitting on top of the plant. Suddenly, it, like, opened its wings. Yeah. 
and just like swooped down towards them. They were horrified by the glowing pair of red eyes that were just boring down at them as it flew. <laughs> Shortly after it appeared to them, Fukushima was devastated by an earthquake and oh. the nuclear power plant exploded. Mothman so. really likes to get around. Yeah, he does. He likes to travel just like everybody else. Oh yeah, he just goes on vacation, you know. Except it's easier for him. He's got those giant wings. Yeah, he doesn't have to play for... Play for? Play. <laughs> he doesn't have to pay for flights and sit next to people on planes. Just, yeah. I mean, can you imagine sitting on a plane and looking over and seeing Mothman? <laughs> Actually, yes. Because now I'm sitting here, Mothman with a paper, just reading, like, licking his thumb, turning the page. With a trench coat and, like, a t- <laughs> With a trench coat yeah. and a hat on. Yeah. Drinking his little Sprite from the tiny beverage cans. Eating his pretzels. Yep. Okay. Here are some theories. Okay. On Mothman. Theory number one. Mothman is a hoax. (laughs) (laughs) Thought you were going to say Mothman's a hoax. I I mean. That's not very productive. He does get around. Oh. Distasteful. Wow. (laughs) Sorry. Okay. Wow. He does get around. (laughs) Wow. He's a hoax. He was something that someone just decided to make up one afternoon because they were bored. They theorized that this prankster went so far as to hide in the TNT area. After the press caught on to the Mothman story, the mass hysteria proved that this individual did did not need to continue with their hoax anymore. For example, a group of construction workers who, among the mass hysteria, decided to tie flashlights to helium balloons in order to make people think that they were seeing UFOs. (laughs) Speaking of UFOs, theory number two, aliens. Yeah. You knew this was coming. Many people claim to have witnessed UFO sightings and paranormal experiences during Mothman's time in Point Pleasant. And this, literally a whole other story, I do want to delve into deeper later. What? The aliens? There's something called the Grinning Man. I have heard of that. Mm Mm-hmm. Speaking of the Grinning Man, on November 2nd, 1966... Ten whole days before the Mothman sighting, a gentleman by the name of Woodrow Derenberger was driving to his home in Mineral Wells, West Virginia, when he was cut off by what he thought was a car. He was forced to slow down and then pull over to the side of the road, because you know how some cars just, like, drive so slow, you have to slow down. Mm -hmm. Especially if it's, like, one lane. Yeah. As he got closer to the vehicle, he realized... That it wasn't a car, but it was a strange craft that resembled a kerosene lamp chimney. (laughs) Okay. A figure then exited the craft, closed the door behind him with a loud thunk, and the craft levitated to be about 50 feet above the highway. The figure then began to approach Derenberger's car. Derenberger noted that the figure looked very human in appearance and was wearing a metallic blue coat. Okay. This figure spoke to Derenberger telepathically. Oh, of course, of course. And told him that he meant no harm. He introduced himself as Indrid Cold and conversed for about ten minutes before he returned to the craft. <sighs> he also told Derenberger to report this to the authorities. Several witnesses actually did confirm that they saw Derenberger pulled over and talking to a strange man. They could actually, like, describe the same vehicle that Derenberger saw that looked like a kerosene lamp. That's so weird. Right? Other people who saw Mothman were questioned by the men in black. What? Uh, uh. <laughs> men in black who were very, very pale with almost translucent skin. Sounds totally normal. Also, kind of sounds like me. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, you could be a men in black in another life. Could be right now. The men in black asked these people what specifically they had seen. Many reported that these men in black, men in black, men in black, men in black, Mib. In, they talked in very robotic tones that made everyone kind of nervous. You know. I mean, I'd be a little freaked out if I saw, like, a physical person standing in front of me talking with Siri voice. That would be my dream. <laughs> I would this love that. <laughs> <laughs> well, have you ever seen the Ellen show? No. There's a, one of the people she has on her show. She plays Alexa. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And every once in a while she's like... Alexa, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, hello, Ellen. And it, it's great. That's creepy. Yeah. Okay. Anyone who had seen Mothman were told to remain quiet about the subject. Several even received threatening phone calls, warning them not to speak about it. Why can't the men in black just erase their memories? You know, you would think so, right? If they're aliens. Several extraterrestrial enthusiasts claimed that the description of these men matched those of alien species. Batsquatch. Batsquatch. Thus, the sightings of these men, combined with Mothman, lead many to believe that Mothman might, in fact, be an extraterrestrial. Creepy. Oh, yes. Okay, so. Theory numero tres. Others believe that Mothman is the embodiment of a 200-year-old curse. Oh, oh, the, um, cornstalk. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Chief Ketagwa loosely translates to cornstalk. If I said it correctly, <laughs> it might not with the way that I said it. No, with the way you said it, it's like... Something really offensive. Probably. I apologize. Anyway, Chief Cornstalk wanted peace with the American colonists who were trying to occupy the land of, like, seven different native nations. Yeah. Unfortunately, there were several who opposed this on both sides, like natives yeah. and settlers. On November 7, 1777... Chief Cornstalk, traveling to a fort that is now Point Pleasant, began to engage in peace talks with the colonists in order to prevent more fighting. He insisted that the peace between the colonists and natives was necessary because the British were trying to convince the other nations to join with them and oppose the colonists. Right. Because these were French colonists. Right. Only he and his tribe were standing in the way, and he feared that they could not hold them back any longer. Mm. The colonists were fearful and detained the chief and his companions. Chief Cornstalk was a skilled fighter and literal military genius that both sides respected. Mm. The colonists thought that by detaining him, they could prevent the natives from attacking. Two days later, the chief's son visited the fort to see his father and he was also detained. Wow. On November 10th, 1777, there was gunfire near Kanawha River. Upon the investigation by soldiers of the fort, they found that two men who had left to go hunting had been ambushed by Native Americans. One of them had already died. Hmm. Now, people, this is not how you handle a situation. Enraged, the soldiers burst into the quarters where they were holding the chief and his companions, and brutally murdered them in, a, in revenge. As he lay dying on the ground, the chief uttered this curse. I was the border man's friend. Many times I have saved him and his people from harm. I never warred with you, but only to protect our wigwams and lands. I refuse to join your pale-faced enemies with the redcoats. I came to the fort as your friend, and you murdered me. You have murdered by my side my young son. For this, may the curse of the Great Spirit rest upon this land. May it be blighted by nature. May it even be blighted by 
may even be blighted in its hopes. May the strength of its people be paralyzed by the stain of our blood. End quote. <clears throat> Jesus. Now that made a whole lot more sense than the quote I said earlier <laughs> that was on the plaque. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now I understand why the story, or why that history was so short. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. To further give proof to this curse, later on in history, a lightning bolt destroyed a monument that had been erected on, erected in honor of the colonist who fought for the Ohio River Valley. Twice. When Mothman appeared in Point Pleasant, many were convinced that he was another punishment thrust on them by the curse of Chief Cornstalk. So, one more theory. Hold on. Before you do that, my story was actually on a list that I found, I guess, things that were supposed to be part of the curse. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. That's the only reason I know about it. Wow. I didn't look into the whole thing. I just saw that it was part of a curse, and I was like, oh, that's interesting, but I don't want to go, I don't want to go look at it, because I know Rachel's doing Mothman. Yeah, there's, there's a whole thing. Okay, theory number four. Mothman is another animal, or a mutated animal. Wildlife biologist Dr. Robert L. Smith at West Virginia University believed that Mothman was a sandhill crane. This bird, by the way... Stands about as tall as the average human male and has bright red flesh around his eyes. Oh. It looks like that. Oh. Yeah, but they don't say that it's, like, super thin. They just said that it's tall with red eyes. Oh, but you know what? And they do say uh, there were those two stories that said that, like, the the eyes were in the chest, and if it's got its head it's down head like down. that, then mm-hmm. it'll look like that. But they're not glowing. Yes, but most animal eyes, if you shine a light at them, reflect. Reflect, yeah, but the red wouldn't. But the eyes would, and then they would be able to see the red yeah, because of the that light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Joe Nickel, a skeptic, that's He's a professional skeptic. Yep. Says that Mothman is just a case of misidentified planes and sightings of a barred owl. He suggests that the glowing red eyes were a red eye effect caused by the reflection of light from flashlights or other light sources. Yes, a seven foot tall owl. airplane. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> yes. Well, no, like, if it's flying. I know, I'm just <laughs> talking with you. Okay. So, a mutated anim- animal is always a possibility, mainly based on the fact that one of the first places he was seen is the abandoned TNT area. Yeah. Many believe that some creature's DNA fused with the toxic chemicals and just formed this weird humanoid creature that is so often seen. Spider owl. Spider owl, Yes. I also want to point out that one of the that one of the sources I found mentions that Mothman bears a strong resemblance to a sleep paralysis demon. This suggests that people who see Mothman are basically just seeing an animal they don't recognize, and because it's so dark and they can't see clearly, their brain and fear just kind of fills in the blanks with just the worst thing possible. Huh. Science. Hint. Last thing, Mothman has been seen as recently as 2017 in Chicago, Illinois. Although thankfully, no tragedy has really happened to the extent that it has in the past with his sightings. In popular culture, Mothman is huge. There's a book and a movie. There are tons of YouTube videos. They actually have like little children's books. About Mothman? About Mothman. That's cute. They have Mothman stuffed animals. I mean, there's just, there's a ton of Mothman stuff. And like us, like we said earlier, we need to watch the Mothman prophecies. One thing that if anyone knows Mothman, there's a Mothman museum and a Mothman festival. When? I probably should have looked up when. But it's in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. And the entire city of Point Pleasant is just this big Mothman tour spot. The next one is September 19th and the 20th, 2020. Oh, cool. 
You want to go? It's only three and a half hours away. Okay. And that's my fan. That's my story. And I could have gone into so much more, but that was already a lot. (laughs) In one of the stories I was looking up recently, there was a picture. I think it was, um, was it Italy, Rome, that I did the museum, right? Mm -hmm. I was looking up something recently. And somebody had found a picture. Damn it. It's, I don't know. Show me later. Next time you find it. It looked like giant angel. Oh. But it looked like, like, Mothman. Mothman, but like, angel? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, just angelic Mothman. I'll have to find it later. Okay. Well. And that, everyone, is Point Pleasant, West Virginia. You enjoyed it. You know. You enjoyed it. You know, you know you enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> um. And, and, you enjoyed it so much, you should go and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Yeah, and Twitter. And Twitter. Um, you can usually just search for us using our full name, Myths and Misfortunes. You can email us, too, at mythsandmisfortunes at gmail.com. Yeah, our music was composed by McKean Fulbright, and our art was created by Heather Marie Atkins. Their websites can be found in the description below. Yes, please review, rate, subscribe, subscribe, all that good stuff. We'd appreciate it, and it literally costs you nothing. Yes, it is free to rate, review, and subscribe. Well, hopefully. Isn't that so cool? Unless you have a Spotify subscription, then it's not free. But we're on other platforms. Uh, love us. Please. Thanks so much for listening. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bye.